Hey, welcome, as always, at this time on Saturday to Ed Stetzer Live. I'm Ed Stetzer, and we are live. And I serve as the executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center. I say that, but I'm actually on sabbatical. I'm on a writing sabbatical for actually a year. So I'm not sure what my job is right now other than writing and doing some speaking and having the joy of being your host this and every Saturday uh, at this time as we continue our Ed Stetzer Live uh, episodes. And we're actually going to, I'm going to talk today to a Twitter friend. Now, is that a real thing? Does that even count? Because I got like real friends, right? And then I got Twitter friends, people that I kind of like the way they interact on the Twitter, as the kids call it, and the Facebook. Um, and then you kind of say, yeah, I like this person. This person's got kind of a nice ability to react with others and more. Uh, and But you don't really know him in person or, or, or in real life. So this is the case with our guest today. But he's got a book, and I want to tell you about that book. And then we're going to jump in uh, with our conversation. Let me introduce our guest. His name is Doug Birch. Uh, and he is the co-pastor of Evergreen Foursquare Church in Auburn, Washington. He's got a demon from George Fox Evangelical Seminary. His, his dissertation research was focused on social media. He's also the host and producer of the Fairly Spiritual Show. It's a podcast. But for our conversation today, we're going to have a wide-ranging conversation, I'm sure, but we're going to talk about his book called Posting Peace, P-E-A-C-E, Why Social Media Divides Us, and what we can do about it. So, Doug, thanks for joining us on the program. We took too long to get you on. Oh, yes, you did. But I'm so glad I'm your Twitter friend. That makes me excited. We are. Our relationship is going to a new fr- level. You're a friend of the show, you know, friend of social media and more. Uh, but let's be honest. Social media is a train wreck. Why are you even talking about this? We got to run. For, I mean, you know, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. And you can actually see the levels of unhappiness in that reverse order. Instagram is a happy place. Everyone posts pictures. Facebook, a little less so. Twitter seems just very angry lately. So why did you get interested in social media? Rochard Demon Project on it, wrote a book on it. Where, where's the interest in that? Well, I think maybe I just like being around conflict. I, I don't know sometimes. Uh, we all know that the, it seems like our social media interactions are becoming more and more polarized, divisive, devouring. And for me, it was a question of why. You know, Are people just becoming more terrible? Or is there something about the technology itself that is making us polarized and divisive? So that's kind of the reason I went into the research you know, as a pastor theologian. I, I care about the concept of reconciliation and what we're called to do as Christians, but I also sometimes think we have this narrative, well, if people just do a better job, it'll all work out, but we don't take seriously enough the impact that technology has on the way we abide together. So that's that's how I started that journey, and what I realized is the technology is influencing us much more than we realize, and sometimes Christians get into this a little naive. So my goal was to learn myself and to help others not be swept into a, a medium that is ripe for contentious debates. Well, and it's, I, I wrote a little bit about it in my book, Christians in the Age of Outrage, and I love that you did a kind of a full-length treatment, though there is a certain irony with a print book on social media, but you can also get it, of course, on Kindle and those things as well. Um, but, but you know, it, it's, it seems to me that it's impacted everybody. I mean, social media has become... I mean, it's impacted sermons. I was I was talking to a group of pastors recently, and one of them said, yeah, I try to make sure that I have three or four tweetable lines. And in this case, this one pastor actually puts the tweetable line on the, the big screen so people can, can tweet it. So actually planning the preaching 
around that. I have thoughts on that, but we won't get to that. Uh, but it's been very much a driving reality. Is it? Uh, there was an article in the Atlantic recently. Is it making us dumber? Is it making us angrier? Or is it making us just people can speak truth to power? Or is it all those things? What's going mm. on? Well, I think we have to be careful, anyone who says it's just one thing. I, I don't really believe in the narratives that it's all bad and it's all good. It's just exaggerated on, on the full spectrum. There's some amazing things we can do with technology and in the information age. Uh, we can reach people we could never reach, have interactions we could never have. Even, you know, you and I, this is a relationship based on the ability to access each other through social media. And I think that's a good right. thing, or at least I hope that'll be a good thing by the end of this interview. Uh, but the problem is uh, there, there was a technological theorist, Marshall McLuhan. He was popular in the mid-70s, and he said this phrase, the medium is the message. And it sounds kind of confusing to begin with, but it's a powerful concept that Christians need to understand in that every medium, uh, like radio is a, is a medium, television, the printing press, it changes our messages. It doesn't just give us a new way to give a message, but it actually changes the way we communicate and how we abide with each other. And so, for instance, with social media, it's dividing us, but there's an aspect of social media where it's an incredibly dehumanizing, detached platform, uh, where we begin to see people as ideologies instead of real people. So one of the things I advocate for is we have to continually humanize the platform. You can think about like when you're in your car and somebody does something you know, inappropriate in the other car, cuts you off, uh, we sometimes have dehumanizing interactions, right? Ways that we wouldn't talk to our neighbor. We honk at them, depending upon how redemptive you are or Christian you are, you might respond in a certain manner. But we treat them that way because we don't have a human connection. The internet allows for almost all our connections to be that way, where we can just treat people like they're passing by on the, you know, in a car. And so that concept to me is I, if we're not intentionally humanizing every relationship, trying to see someone as a real human being, understanding the reason we exist is to be in the ministry of reconciliation as Christians, then we're going to get swept up into this, just arguing our ideologies and uh, segmenting ourselves with like-minded people and, and getting into these battles, which you're talking about, because this is only going to get worse as people begin to unite and rally around their ideological distinctives instead of to actually see each other as human beings. Yeah, it's interesting. I was, uh, there was a social media uh, personality, I guess that's a thing now, um, who I actually saw this week everyone was sort of dunking on. That's a dunking is maybe not a phrase that normal people use, but the idea of, you know, they kind of said something probably in a way that wasn't as clear and it was easy to dunk on. And, Doug, I felt drawn because he'd actually dunked on me in the past. So I felt drawn to the dunk, but I resisted the dunk. And I just wanted to you know, publicly celebrate that on my own radio program that I didn't do a bad thing. So, yeah. but You but just why, lost your crown why, in heaven, by the way. I know. I lost my crown in heaven and, <laughs> you know, and, and more. But it is, it's more of a confession than a, than a, than a celebration because, I mean, I still was drawn to the idea to make a point, to score a what I think is a cheap shot. Yet there's something that draws us to that. It's it's like a, the the Twitter mob, you know. I could be a part of the Twitter mob, and matter of fact, in my case, because I have a decent number of Twitter followers, I could start another Twitter mob. Um, what what is it that I would never do something like that at if we were walking down the road and sitting down at a restaurant? Why does that become easier for us? Well, you hit at a few things here, and this is how I'd, I'd like people to think as they read this book, and it'll change the way you think about social media. The first issue is why are we all focusing in on that one person? 
And this is just one of the struggles. I, I don't know if on Monday God was like, you know what? I want 90% of Christians to be focusing in on one guy who tweeted something dumb. That concept that we're being led by trending topics is a troubling thing. So first we have to decide, what do I want to give my best energy to? And even there, I think you were deciding that at a practical level. Do, does another person need to talk about this? Does another person need to engage in this? So that concept that we're being led by trending topics, and they're often very depersonalized national topics that really have nothing to do with what's going on in our neighborhood. I tell people that we need to trend local. Like if you care about something at a national, global level, great. But go find a neighbor that at some level expresses that issue you care about. If you care about poverty, if you care about justice, if you care about inequality, whatever it is, find a way to build a relationship with people instead of just tweet something online that may or may not make much difference. The other thing you're getting at there too is that person is a human being. And you know, I'd had a radio show for five years. I don't did like 1,200 shows. And one of the advocacies I had is I wanna talk about everyone as if they're in the room with me. Would I say that if this person was face to face or if they came into the church that I serve? Would I treat someone that way? And the answer is, as you were pointing out, no, you would, I would never talk about someone that way. It reminds me of this. Have you ever heard of the online town halls, right? We'll say we're going to have a town hall, but it's online. An online town hall is not a town hall because an actual town hall, you're in the room with that person. And if you say something jerky, that guy can punch you in the nose. <laughs> he can actually come at you. But online, we can hide in our secret world. We can give our opinions, often an anonymous expression, and treat people in ways we never would have in person. So as Christians, we don't get that pass. We don't get to do what everyone else is doing. Our job is to see every person as someone made in the image of God, whether they're an enemy or a friend. And so a conflict is an opportunity to show the love of God to them, to actually be someone that even if I'm communicating truth, I'm doing it because I love them and I'm doing it as if they were sitting next to me at Starbucks and we're trying to have a conversation that brings truth and light and life into the world. So that's a perfect example you have. We have thousands of Christians focusing on one celebrity, whatever, or even just some guy who has a congregation of 50 who does crazy things every week, and we're all responding to that issue. And I'd have to say, is that our goal? Is that what we're supposed to spend our best energy on with this amazing tool that can reach millions of people? So I think that's the issue. We have to be intentional or we're just going to follow the trending topics and become like everyone else. Fascinating. Okay, we're going to continue our conversation with Doug and talking about his book, really posting piece. Super helpful. You can already hear some of the wisdom in his uh, words and exhortation, posting piece why social media divides us and what we can do about it. Mark's going to take your calls as well. Maybe you got some thoughts on social media. 877, some questions, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Politics brings more division than ever, and social media is moving many to be less social and more critical. Those with Christian views are also often being dismissed. Well, what if the rise of secularism, though, is good news for the church? Throughout history, these times of decline traditionally precede powerful spiritual renewal, even revival. You need to read Mark Sayer's book, Reappearing Church, The Hopeful Renewal in the Rise of Our Post-Christian Culture. Get a copy of Reappearing Church today at moodypublishers.com.
Hey, we're back. Uh, Ed Stetzer here. Ed Stetzer Live is the program talking to Doug Bursch and uh, talking some about how social media can be a negative thing, how it could be a positive thing, how do we use it well. It's interesting, so pervasive social media is. You know, my my kids' grandparents are on Facebook or social media, and um, you wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that ten years ago, but it's 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 on our phones, so we use it um, all over the place. I mean, literally, uh, people scroll or doom scroll. You're just going to scroll over and over again. Um, so the question for a lot of people is, well, why shouldn't we just abandon it? I've seen a lot of people just leave Twitter completely, say it's not good for their soul and more. Uh, others double down, continue to use it. Yeah, some have changed the way they use it. Um, so, Doug, I mean, why do you think people should even, uh, well, should they be? I mean, you wrote a whole book about it, so I'm guessing mm. you think they should. But but why, why, why not just bail on the whole thing and just love your neighbor? Because a key part of your book is that neighbor and engagement. Hmm. Well, one of the things is I, d- I don't try to be prescriptive for people. I don't live someone else's life, and how dare I think I know what they should or shouldn't do. I think as a pastor, it's dangerous when I begin to say, uh, you know, this is how you should live your life, uh, specifically with issues when it comes to your mental health and well-being. You know, some people, they only have so much mental health, they only have so much well-being, and for them, they need to do very little on social media and uh, go with God and be blessed and find a way to exist in this world. The reality is, though, that social media is not going to go away, and the Internet's not going to go away. There might be different names. Twitter might be replaced by something else or Facebook by something else. But we are going to be communicating online. And so for me, I wanted people to understand how the technology influences us, because even if you're not online, it's still going to impact in-person communication. So you're not going to be able to escape this. Also, some of the most amazing important issues of our time are happening online. And I think Christians need to be there to be light and life in a dark world. And that's the advocacy for me, is that Christians should look radically different than the rest of the people on the face of the earth, not just in our content, but in the spirit in which we communicate things. I see this with you, Ed, by the way. Is it all right if I compliment you? Will you, will you get offended? I guess so. I, I guess so. You can take this? I think it's going to be a compliment. Not to but okay. Ed, I know you have strong opinions, and you and I probably disagree on a lot of things because I'm clearly right and you're wrong. But exactly. I find when you communicate your opinions, you're doing it for the purpose, at least I, I would say the majority of the time you're trying to do this, to bring people into the light, that you believe someone might be wrong or in darkness, and you're trying to communicate that truth because you love them. Now, this might seem like such a simple concept, but you know, as well as I do, that we're not seeing this with Christians, that there's no reason for me to communicate truth if I'm not communicating it in love for the purpose of bringing someone into the light. Now, social media gives me that wonderful opportunity to reach thousands of people with the truth and love of Jesus, to engage in difficult conversations that might even cause conflict. I'm not saying that we can't have conflict. Conflict can be redemptive. Conflict can bring justice and hope and truth into the world. There are times that Jesus turns over tables. But our goal of that conflict is we love the person and we're trying to bring them to the light. So as a Christian, I need to be engaged in that world. I need to set my boundaries, and we talk about this in the book of, you know, you need to have your own plan of how social media works for you or doesn't work for you. But if you just isolate yourself from that, you're isolating yourself from engaging in many of the most important discussions that are going on right now. And you're also isolating yourself generationally. 
And I would say that to your older listeners. Uh, who knows? I might be in that category. But that the reality is, we're right. But we need to, at some level, have a connection with every generation, the people older than us and younger than us. So I don't want to find myself off on some island just you know, praising God and listening to my worship music and not being able to connect with the next generation. So that's another reason I would advocate find a way, even if it's a minimal way, to be engaged online. So not you can't just reach the world, but you can reach your grandkids or your great-grandkids. Yeah, now you mentioned Jesus turning over tables. And, and I think that a lot of people think, um, and I want to get your thoughts on it, that, that what we are in a moment in our world when we need to turn over some tables. And so social media has been a place where voiceless people are given a voice to speak truth to power, to turn over tables and more. And social media has impacted our political conversation, some might say for good, some might say for bad. Um, so, I mean, is this a turn table over, or, or turnover table moment for us? And is social media the, the, the place for the voiceless? Well, here's one of the struggles I have with the turnover tables. Why is Jesus turning over the tables such a extreme act? Is because it seems contrary to how we've seen Jesus behave the rest of his ministry. It it contrasts the fact that everyone sees Jesus as incredibly loving. And so anyone who's like, oh, I'm just turning over tables, if you're just known as the person who turns over tables, that's not Christ-like. That's not what Jesus is primarily known for. Uh, so we need to be known as loving so that if we are in some place where you know it looks like, wow, he just uh, cleared the room and that seemed a little angry and hostile, what was that about? That it needs to be for a reason and a prophetic reason. In fact, I talk about this in the book. Uh, Jesus turns over tables for the purpose of reconciliation. We have the poor. Uh, we have the foreigners who are coming into the temple. And the temple will only use a certain currency. And so they have to exchange their money from afar with the currency of the temple. And they're being misused with that, right? So they're coming to try to give offerings to God, to be intimate with God in the sense of relationship with God. And now these barriers are put in place where they're losing their money they've been taken advantage of. Also, and the reason the pigeon uh, merchants he goes after is the pigeon is the smallest offering you can give as far as an animal offering. I think he's even getting at the fact that they were still making people give animal offerings who probably didn't even have enough money for an animal. They probably should have been able to just give like flour or just some sort of a grain. And again, what is this happening where, the, where they're charging them a bunch of money, uh, they're making them do these offerings they can't afford. All of that is separating people from intimacy with God. What is reconciliation? Becoming right with God, intimacy with God, connection, love with God, and then love one another, right? And so what is it also causing divides? Divides between the rich and the poor, the religious and the irreligious, the leaders and the non-leaders. And so Jesus is coming in there. It's very radical, but he's turning over the tables for the purpose of bringing people closer to God. And if that's not our goal in our righteous turning over table moments, then we're not engaging in the ministry of reconciliation. So yes, do I believe that there are times to make people angry and upset? Yes, but again, the purpose is to confront them so that they can come to the light. And you can ask yourself that question. Am I truly loving this person or am I just trying to be right? And if you look at a lot of Christians, we haven't distinguished between being right and being reconciling. Anyone can be right, but Christ has called us to be reconciling, to communicate the truth for the purpose of bringing people into the light. So, so that part of turning over tables, I, I talk about it. I have a whole chapter on it. I believe there are times to do that. 
But I think people use that as an excuse to not be loving sometimes. And if you're not mm. known as loving, and, and I'm, I'm sorry, you can tell I'm a little passionate on this. Here's the other one that drives no, me crazy. Um, Jesus turned over the tables in that room, and then he died for every person in that room. So don't turn over any tables unless you're willing to lay down your life for every single person in that room. And that changes the dynamic of justice and anger and righteous anger when we realize that Jesus laid down his life for every single person in the temple that he confronted. Let me invite your calls. Again, 877-548-3675. Love to get your input on you know how you use social media. What are some ways you think we can do better using social media and more. You know, we actually have, I mean, we're engaged social media here. All of Ed Stetcher Live programs, we're, we're on social media, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and we post what's coming up and people engage with those things as well. So how are you using it? How have you seen it used poorly? What would you just do better? Again, 877-548-3675. Let's go to take a call from Mylan. Uh, Mylan, you're live on the air. What's your question or your comment? Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Um, the name is Milan. So oh, sorry. In case anybody's listening, they'll know who I am. That's okay. Hmm. Um, uh, well, I have been engaged uh, here and there with discussions about progressive Christianity, and it's available to discuss on social media. And from, from my point of view, it seems to be one of the biggest uh, threats to traditional Christianity on the face of the planet. And you can say whatever you want to say on, on uh, social media, and a lot of people believe, because it's written down, they believe it's true. And I'm just wondering what you think about engaging progressive Christians, uh, because in my experience, most of the ones that I know were former traditional Christians who had some kind of agenda that didn't work in traditional Christianity. So it's like anything goes in uh, progressive Christianity. <clears throat> so they start following progressive Christianity or yeah. progressive so let's, pastors. Let, so let's have so Doug, so let's have Doug weigh so in on that. Let's have Doug weigh on. Let's have Doug weigh on weigh in on that, Milan. Thank you. So so I yeah, mean, people differ but, with you, right? He's talking about people more progressive side. How would you have people engage in social media? Well, one of the things is no one is an ideology, and mm -hmm. we're living in a culture right now where we're seeing people in terms of ideology versus being a human. I think all of us at some level, whatever camp we find ourselves in or where we are on the spectrum, we're still different than other people around us. And one of the dangers of social media is it segments us into these extremes. Uh, is it progressive versus conservative, a Democrat versus Republican, uh, liberal versus, and, and, and I'm not saying that we don't have a spectrum of people who move to one direction or the other, but no one likes to be just categorized and not actually seen. So to me, if you're talking about interacting online, I wanna find the human. Who is this person? And by the way, if they don't think that I love them, then my argument is meaningless. And so I don't have any desire to engage in an argument with someone about, you know, what's the right view of some political or social or theological issue if they don't know that I genuinely love them. So my first interactions are more about actually showing the love of God than trying to win the argument. And, and so to me, I treat each person as, okay, 
uh, let's figure this out. Because I, I know as a pastor, you run into this, Ed, right? Sometimes people have been hurt by the church, and the first response to you is really negative, right? Just kind of coming out, guns blazing, you know, just going after you. Now, I could get all defensive and hurt and say, how dare you? Or I can find out, where's the hurt? What's going on? So I can say, well, I don't believe that, but could you explain that more? Could you help me understand what you're saying? And to listen to the person and not have to worry about being right. By the way, does anyone ever change their mind based on a good argument? Actually, I don't think we do. If I were in the grocery store, I mean, you've seen this in a grocery store, a, a kid is acting out and the parent's struggling and the kid's you know, yelling and screaming. If you went over to that parent and said, you know what you're doing wrong? You need to do this, 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 and that. Uh, would the parent receive that? Of course not, because you're some stranger who's coming over and judging their parenting. Uh, that's a lot of what our social media interactions are. We, we see something, we don't know the person, we think we know what's right, and we begin to tell them the truth. Without relationship, we won't even receive the truth from others. Even if they're right, the first thing is to get defensive. So to me as a Christian, the greatest threat to me is not progressives and it's not conservatives. The greatest threat is that we're not loving. We're not Christ. Christ is supposed to be radically different. And the caller brought this up. Uh, we are living in a partisan age. And as Christians, we're not called to embrace the partisan spirit. The partisan spirit is, I'm right, you're wrong. I get 51% of the vote. We win, you lose, you go away. My America, not your America. Me first, not you. That's the partisan spirit. That is not a reconciling spirit. I can have political opinions, strong political opinions, but as a Christian, I communicate them because I love that person. So I love my progressive friend as much as I love my conservative friend. Love him, not just tolerate, but love him. If we don't show love, then we're in trouble in our communication. You know, if you hold on, we're gonna give you a copy of Doug's book. And we're gonna, I wanna ask Doug some questions about how we engage with ideas when we don't have the relational connection. We'll continue our conversation in just a moment. Hey, we're back having a really, I think, helpful and fascinating conversation with Doug Bursch. We're talking about uh, social media, specifically about his book. We're actually giving away some copies as well. It's Posting Peace. Posting, by the way, is people post things to social media. Posting Peace, why social media divides us and what we can do about it. So I really, I mean, I liked what you said. I, I don't disagree with what you said. I wrote a book that kind of walks through a lot of what you said. And I want to also say that, you know, so I've like publicly criticized people in the pages of USA Today or, you know, with an editorial or something of that effect where I, I tend to write some for them or, or other places where I've talked about some of the, the damage that their approach might cause to the Christian faith, uh, to whatever else it may be. And I don't have a personal relationship with them. And I, I, I think that they probably, and they, I'm thinking of one person in particular, they probably love their, their wife and they probably love their children. But I think that their um, approach is actually causing you know harm to the to the advance of the gospel. So I wrote about that, and I uh, I don't generally do that, but I named names. Um, and when I hear you describe how we should you know love somebody, be willing to die for somebody, and that level of relationship, how do how do I criticize? I think um, rightfully, how do I rightfully criticize someone's ideas that are actually connected to a person? So I might name the person and their ideas and kind of fit in what you just said before the break. Does that, does that, does that make sense? And if so, oh, unpack yeah. that a little bit for me. 
Yeah, and I, I bet you you have some good advice for this as well. By the way, could you write a negative uh, article about me so I could sell some more books? Yes, just, yes you know, I would. This is a something. terrible book. Don't buy it. Well, you know, that's how that's it works right. today. People say, you know, so-and-so <laughs> wouldn't buy my book, so you should. So that's what I'll do. I know. I'll wake up on Monday and some cultic pastor somewhere, everyone's talking about a crazy thing he said in a sermon. I'm like, and no one's mentioning anything I preached the last, you know, 20 years. <laughs> so there's a part yeah. of me that gets a little frustrated with all that. Uh, well, I think you you probably do this. I've seen you do this, Ed. Uh, my problem is I could just be, hey, let's all get along and let's not cause conflict. Well, that's easy if I live some sort of a privileged life. But for other people, there's tremendous damage being done and they need advocates. I, I think about that in terms of church abuse. You know, let's just all get along. Uh, people need to be called out. So to me, the first question is, one, am I talking about this public figure because I actually want them to repent. And that's the term. The, and, and publicly, you know, if they're interacting publicly and their damage is a public thing, then I don't think it's wrong to also give a public, you know, that might not seem very relational, but that's the whole point. They have kind of a non-relational influence on the world. They can write a book or speak or have a sermon and influence you know, thousands of people. So if they are having that non-personal influence that at some level, I, maybe I'm not fighting fire with fire, but I'm using the same technology in the same way. So that's a big one for me. Am I doing this because I'm calling them to repentance? Um, I'll, I'll just mention this uh, uh, with Mark Driscoll has been someone like that in the Seattle area. He did a lot of damage and I don't hate Mark Driscoll, but I don't feel like he necessarily uh, reconciled with the people he harmed. I still feel like he hasn't, you know, and that's a personal opinion. You could disagree with me on that. But I've talked publicly about it. I'm doing it right now, not because I want to hurt him, but I think ultimately if he wants to have true influence, that he needs to go back to the people he hurt and have a true reconciling conversation. So that's a public expression, but I'm saying it hopefully as if he were listening, right? As if he were here. Uh, so that's, I think, the best we can do. The goal, I don't want to be just preaching to the choir that I'm, you know, agreeing with all the people like me and we can all rah-rah that we, you know, <laughs> I don't care about that. I don't need to have more people agree with me. So I'm also trying to reach the people who are being influenced by this person and might not feel right about it. Social media gives people permission to pursue what was already in their heart. So if mm. you post, you know, this seems kind of abusive, it helps the person who's in that abusive situation to think, oh, I'm not alone. I think it's abusive too. But this outsider also sees it as abusive. So that's another strength of social media. If, if we're strategic, if we're thoughtful, we can speak to injustices, we can speak to wrongs, to sinful behavior, and give people permission who are most impacted by that behavior to come out from those environments and to turn or also to stand on their own against these injustices. We're talking to Doug Bursch. The book is uh, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. We're taking your calls as well. Let's go to Jarek in, I think, in Chicago. Jarek, you're live on the air. Yes, I'm Jarek, here. Jarek, are you there? Okay, go ahead, please. Yes, I'm here. Hello? Go ahead. Okay, we'll come, we'll come back to Jarek in just a second. Um, so, so help us a little bit, too, to kind of think about um, peacemaking. That's a key part of, your, uh, of yeah. your book. And so how can Christians best engage in social media peacemaking? 
Uh, by the way, I love just, I used to do a radio program, and as you're dealing with callers, I'm like, oh, that's so fun, doing all that stuff. That's great. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, sometimes we, people, we, people don't know. There's a little bit of a delay, and it can be a challenge. Well, I know. That's the whole thing. Not the, the right, listener. Exactly. The, yeah. Right. It's just technology. <laughs> it's just yeah. technology, right? It influences. Yep, exactly. Uh, I, and I'm, I, I love that people are calling in, that I'd like to a- answer questions and any questions. Uh, well, one of the things I want to get at is for peacemaking is I think sometimes people think, well, this means that I just got to get along with people who are terrible. And I'm not saying that. Uh, there are people who are trolling. Their goal of being online is just to treat you terribly. They get a joy out of it. Uh, and so to me, part of what you do with someone who's hostile is you fill things out a little bit. And the danger is to right away be reactionary. Uh, if somebody comes in, you know, oh, you Christians are terrible people, and you know, just some extreme statement, instead of defending that, I humanize it. I'll, I'll, I'll turn myself into a real person and some sort of response like, boy, well, that's kind of hurtful. I'll even say something like that. That kind of hurt. What do you mean by that? Are you trying to hurt me? Are you trying, do you have a point? And what you'll find is either they'll double down and go, yeah, I'm trying to hurt you and they'll just treat you terrible. Or they'll, they'll just kind of, you'll just see them calm down. Like, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I was just really hurt by a pastor. And you'll see a person rise up. And so to me mm-hmm. in social media, we need to take that extra step, Right. But if I take that extra step and the person is still just terrible, it is loving to block that person, to mute them, to unfriend them. Uh, the Bible even talks about you know a divisive person. You warn them a couple times, and then you have nothing to do with them. That I don't want to keep a person in a position where they're continually sinning against me because that's what someone is doing. If they're continually harming me, treating me terrible, I don't need to engage that person to lead them into sin. The sin is they're sinning against me. So the most loving thing I can do is to hand that person over. Scripture talks about that as well. Hand them, it's kind of hand them over to Satan. It's like, I don't want to carry on this environment where you're just sinning against me and others. So I'm going to bless you, let you have the last word. And if you keep at it, I'm going to mute you or block you. Again, though, that's a motivation thing. I'm not trying to punish somebody. I, you know, I can say this, but in my heart, I might want to be punishing them. I'm, you know, I'm saying the right thing, but in my heart, I still get angry and upset and all the things that everyone else does. But that is one of the ways that I deal with trolling behaviors is I first see, is this person just getting their kicks out of treating other people terribly? I've actually had people block me for loving them. <laughs> I'll just keep oh, wow. blessing them. Like, well, thank you for sharing that. You know, how's your life going? You know, I've been struck. And, and they get so angry that you humanize it, that they block you because they wow. just don't want to use the technology that way. So that's what's exciting as Christians is we can use it in a way that no one else is using it like that and really look differently than the rest of the world. And I want to be light, you know, in a dark place. I want to be that, what is it, the... The city on a hill that people go, What where's that light coming from? And can I have that in my life as well? Hmm. Good deal. Let's uh Jarek has patiently persevered and we're back to you, Jarek. You're live on the air. Go ahead. Hey Jarek. Uh good morning. My name is Yarek and uh my question Yarek. to you uh, it's uh, how to not how to navigate the social media uh responding to negative uh comments uh, godly way. Yeah, that's Garrick. Garrick, apologize for mispronouncing your name, and thanks for persevering to get on the call. Garrick is asking, you know, how do we how do we navigate some of those negative things? I mean, give us some more on on that. I think it's a great question. Garrick, if you'll hold on line two, we want to give you a copy of Posting Peace: Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. Doug, what do you think? Well, I didn't I didn't hear all of that uh, in the 
what specifically? Yeah, he was, was he was specifically about? talking about what if some would, how do you respond to some of the more negative aspects of social media? What's the best way to do that? Well, by the way, the contemplation is huge. This is the the internet has whatever its strengths are are also its weaknesses. Uh, there's a concept that um, Marshall McLuhan also uses that every technology extends a part of our human capacity, but as it extends it, it also weakens it. So think of like the car. The car extended the human capacity to walk. So that's strength. What did it weaken? It weakens our ability to walk. We're lazy. We don't get any exercise. So technology does that. So the internet strengthens our ability to immediately communicate what we want to communicate. Like I have a thought or an idea. It immediately like extends my mouth, right? It extends my brain, the thought, my mouth to the world. That's cool. I can share amazing things with anyone in the world. That's also the weakness of this technology because contemplation is often where wisdom rises up. So that's one of the big things. First, with negativity, negativity trends. Uh, in general, we know that to be true, right? Negative people, negative comments, negative activity. So the first thing I need to do, and you know, Jesus did this, right? Jesus would get up early in the morning, he'd go away and he'd pray. And the disciples would come to him, they came to him and said, where have you been? You know, things are happening in Capernaum and you're wasting, you know, implied, you're wasting your time up here praying when there's ministry to be done in the city. Well, if the Son of God needed to go away and be with the Father to get his flesh right or his heart right or to hear the Father and the purposes of the Father, then we must build that into our interaction. So with negativity, I have to first step away like, Lord, one, do you want me to engage with this at all? Do I need to be a part of this? Two, am I going to engage out of my emotional response? You know, I'm angry, upset, or hurt. Or what do you want me to say, Lord? You know, the example of Jesus with Capernaum, when he started his ministry in Capernaum, it was very successful. And if Jesus had just spent all his time in the city in Capernaum doing ministry, he never would have left Capernaum. He would have just stayed there and people would have traveled from the Sea of Galilee and come to him. He would have built a world outreach ministry center, right? But instead... Jesus goes away to be with the Father, and the Father says, I want you to go to other people. Well, I see this with the issues on the internet. When we take a break, even if just a step away from our phone or the computer and pray and ask the Lord, he tells us to step away from Capernaum sometimes. He's like, don't give your energy towards this. Go somewhere else. There's people who need your energy. You can fight with that person who's upset with you. They're not going to change. But there's someone else out there that you can find and pursue and bless. This is one of the simplest ways to make uh, social media more redemptive. Look at the last two weeks of your post. You can go last three weeks or four weeks on Facebook, on Twitter. Do those posts represent who you are? Is it just politics? Mm. Do they represent who you are? Here's the whole pastor thing. If you died today and I did your funeral, would you want me to read your last two weeks of posts? Would that represent you? Or would you be embarrassed or ashamed? Or you'd just be, that's not who I am. So for me, I don't want just the negativity and the terrible things of the world to set the agenda. I don't want my emotionalism or even my intellectualism to set the agenda. I want to be spirit-led, and I want the full expression of who I am to be present as much as possible in my online communication. So I, I don't want to be one-dimensional. I want to be a three-dimensional person. When you start doing that, you'll find you just engage less in the negative things. It becomes a part of your life, but it's not all your life. If you don't have an agenda, I talk about people having a peacemaking plan. If you don't have a peacemaking plan of deciding what you're going to do and what you're going to communicate with, then you just get swept into it. And we've all gotten there where we're like, why have I just wasted the last hour 
fighting with someone about an issue that really nothing's going to change except for I'm going to feel miserable when I should be watching this baseball game with my kids. Mm. Okay, we're going to continue our conversation with Doug Bursch in just a second. Uh, his, his helpful book is Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. We've got one more segment for your calls. If you want to jump in, it's 877-548-3675. Uh, on social media, I would say Doug's dropping some truth bombs. So we're going to continue our conversation with him in just a moment. 877-548-3675 is the number for your calls. We'll continue in just a moment. Hey, we're back. Final segment here on Ed Stetzer Live, and we're having a conversation about social media, talking about uh, Posting Peace is the name of the book, Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. The author is Doug Bursch, and uh, we have become internet friends, and now we're in-person friends because we've had them on the radio as well. We've been taking some of your calls. Super helpful conversation, I think, thus far. Let me thank our team that makes all this happen. Our behind-the-scenes team, my producer, Karen Hendren, engineer, Courtney Young, and today, Mara Martinez. Martinez is a man in the phone, so we're thankful for their help as always. Doug, here's the thing. Um, if we're going to change the way we do social media, it's going to require a commitment that I think a lot of people are not ready to make. I think you wrote this book, came out in 21. Um, I've seen lots of people call out how social media is harming and hurting us. And yet it seems to me that particularly Christians, I mean, I can click on the link and, you know, see somebody saying something sometimes pretty unhelpful in maybe the way they articulate it. And it's, you know, follower of Jesus, Christian, something right there in their bio. Um, so I'm with you. I share your cause, but I don't know that it's headed the right direction. Is that cause for despair? Is there still a way to see social media redeemed more effectively or what? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think it's actually pretty foolish what you and I are doing, but that's the gospel. I think it's a narrow way, and I've often struggled with this. I think of the the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? that we know the end of that story. So we're not going to bow down. We're, we're, we're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to bow down. But there's a scripture there, and I'm paraphrasing. They say, our God will rescue us, but even if he doesn't, we're not going to serve you. Now, we know that they're rescued from the fiery furnace, but they don't go into the fiery furnace knowing they're going to be rescued, right? They just go in. And I want to stand before the Lord and say, I didn't bow down. I mean, that's the best I can do, right? I don't know. It could get way worse, but I don't want to be uh, like this world. I want to be a reconciling agent of change, and I'd rather look like a fool online, radically different than others around me, than embrace the prevailing spirit of our age, which is devouring and dividing and polarizing us. And so for me, I wrote this book not so you do Doug Bursch's way of reconciling or Ed Stetzer's way but that each person needs to stand before the Lord and say, what is this about? Did you rescue me from darkness or not? For me, I was dead in my sins and I was made alive in Christ. I was reconciled. I was an enemy of God and God loved me and saved me and redeemed me. And then he entrusted me with the ministry to do the same. And if I'm not doing the same, then I don't know what I actually received because I was an enemy of the gospel. And Christ made me a friend. 
Ed, I love what you do, and I want to make sure in the show that I don't waste this. I've seen all the little things you're involved in or all the big things you're involved in, and I see this thread of reconciliation in you, and I've seen you get hit from people within your own camp and people outside your camp, and I think that's a sign of being a peacemaker. Peacemakers often stand in the prophetic middle where we just do what we feel like God's called us to do, and we get hit on all camps. Uh, but the good news is we trust that the Spirit of the Lord will connect these words with other people. So I do get hopeless. I do get frustrated. I do see things getting worse. I do see my book sells that very few people are interested in a book about posting peace. But I still think it's a worthy conversation to engage in and a worthy ministry to pursue. So I'm asking your callers who might be frustrated with this as well or the people you're working with and you have a tremendous team there, don't give up. Stand in the prophetic middle, share what God has put on your heart, engage in the ministry of reconciliation, be light and life to everyone you come into contact with, whether online or in person, and it will be a narrow way. It will be a lonely path, but Jesus will be with you, and others are there as well. There are others doing what you're doing. They're not as angry and loud and as divisive, but they're looking for you to stand with them. Remember that. There's people in the shadows who are desperately in need of the witness you're providing online. And so maybe they don't come to defend you because they're afraid they're going to get trolled, but they need your advocacy. And I know that for you, Ed, you're often in the forefront and you get the hits, but you take territory that allows other people to come behind you and to follow and pursue that same path. We've got about 30 seconds left. So someone takes your advice, looks back over the last two weeks and says, this is not what I want to be read at my funeral. I want to have a different tone, a different approach. What would be the next steps? About 30 seconds. I would stop and pray and let God encourage you because we have a good God who tells you how much he loves you. He's not leading you out of condemnation and fear, but out of love. And then from that position of love, let him lead you. And you're going to know the next things. You're going to know, like, you know, I got to stop fighting with people. I got to stop posting. Maybe I got to maybe post some scripture, show some love, find some people to encourage and bless online, to restart and to welcome the reconciling presence of Jesus into my online presence. Well, it's been a fascinating and helpful conversation today. I could listen. Doug, you have that voice. That's a good radio voice. You know, I, I love that. And I love having you on the program today. The book we're talking about is Posting Peace. If you go to edstetzerlive.com, there's a link right to there, but it's Posting Peace why social media divides us and what we can do about it. Uh, you can follow Doug uh, if you go to edsetsforlive.com. The link to his social media is there so you can see how he lives it out. But it's fairly spiritual is his Twitter handle as well. And I want to encourage you that, you know, it is challenging in social media, but being a redemptive, Christ-honoring, and bad, and bad, and bad ambassador-like uh, presence uh, winsome is a word that has taken some hits lately, but I think a winsome presence in social media honors the Lord and can point people to Jesus. Again, thanks for listening. Of course, Ed Setzer Live is a production of Moody Radio. Moody Radio is a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. And we want to encourage you, make your social media to be an example uh, and put it under the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Thanks for listening to this and every program of Ed Setzer Live.